Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. Please turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verse 12 through 19. And I wanted to start off by asking a question. I'm wondering if you could just pause for a moment here and think about some of the most difficult and some of the most hardest situations or times that you've gone through in your life and where your faith in Jesus Christ has been really been tested. I think for some of us, we might be experiencing that right now, where there's this whole virus situation. Uh, some of you are facing difficulties at home. Some of us maybe even thoughts about the situation with work. And I, I know for many of these seniors who are either in college or high school, it's so sad that this last year where there were so many great things that could have happened, whether it's through sports, academics, or performing arts, they weren't able to do it because everything is getting canceled. And for some of us, I think it's a painful memory from the past, which has left a deep wound in our hearts. So as we think about what are some of those moments where our faith was tested, I think many of us will be able to come up with at least something as we think about our lives. And I think it's interesting that there's something about having perspective on the difficult things that we go through or we suffer in our lives, which helps us to be grateful. Now, of course, uh, as we're going through it, many of us, and I could testify, it's hard to be grateful in that moment. But as many of you know, when you look back and see what God has pulled you through from and where he has led you, our hearts are thankful and grateful. But as many of you also know, that there are people who don't have that process to be able to have that perspective. And that's why they're still struggling with it. They're, they're still bitter, and they're not able to move forward in their lives. I wanted to quickly show you this video that really impacted me because, uh, as you know, like in, in media and especially in this world, it's really hard to find people who really have this kind of perspective, which is, I think, a very biblical perspective. But there was an interview that was done by Anderson Cooper. I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a, a CNN newscaster. And then he interviewed uh, Stephen Colbert, who is a late-night talk host, um, talk show host. And as he was being interviewed, they were talking about grief and loss. And this is kind of how the interview kind of moved in that direction, because both of them... Uh, both Anderson Cooper as well as uh, Stephen Colbert both lost their fathers when they were young. And so that's, that was one of the points of connection for them, and they were just sharing. And I was watching this, and I, I don't know the level of their faith. Uh, it seems like at least Stephen Colbert, he at least is a believer. I think he has a Catholic background. But just the way he responded, a couple things that pop in my mind is this is how you do evangelism with pre-Christians. Like the way he answered, how he answered, with that level of humility and also being able to connect with the area of pain and suffering in another person, I thought was very powerful. I was like, every Christian should watch this because this is how you do evangelism when it comes to talking with people, especially on a topic that is very personal, uh, such as pain and suffering in a person's life. Another thing that kind of stuck out for me was just the kind of perspective that Stephen Colbert had. That, of course, as many of you know, it comes through maturity. It comes through experiencing so many things in your life. And then looking back and realize that you can still be grateful, even in the midst of the things that you've struggled with. Some of you might have seen it, but uh, I just took a little clip of it so that you can watch this interview. And I want you to listen to their interactions and especially listen to the response by Stephen Colbert and see how I believe is a very Christ-centered or at least a biblical way to respond, especially to difficulties and struggles in our lives. So let's watch this together. I don't know what it is that you're suffering or going through even this morning, but I would definitely say part of the humanity, regardless of what religion, what gender, what socioeconomic background, what ethnicity, it does not matter. The humanness of who we are, uh, and living in this fallen world, all of us in this room will face some kind of suffering 
or trials or difficulties in our lives. And the question is, how are we going to handle it when we face those times? What kind of perspective will you have? Will you be grateful? And as they were saying, why not me? And to me, that is a very mature, I personally think it's a God-centered perspective when you're going through difficult things or you have gone through a lot of pain and suffering in your life. I think one of the reasons why so many people struggle to have this kind of perspective in the midst of suffering is that they forget that life is not about being happy. Now, please don't misunderstand me. You can be happy. Happiness is not necessarily a bad thing. But life is not about just happiness. In fact, life is about meaning, to have a sense of purpose. And then out of that will come forth happiness and the other things that we seek after, such as joy and good relationships. Uh, Tim Keller, in his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, he writes this, and I think this is very poignant for us as we get into this chapter. It says this, the problem is that contemporary people think life is all about finding happiness. We decide what conditions will make us happy, and then we work to bring those conditions about. To live for happiness means that you are trying to get something out of life. I want you to understand that. Anyone who is seeking for happiness, they're trying to get something out of life. But when suffering comes along, it takes the conditions for happiness away. And so suffering destroys all your reason for keep, to keep living. But to live for meaning means not that you try to get something out of life, but rather that life expects something from you. That's the difference. When you seek happiness, you're thinking about what am I getting out of life but when you're looking for meaning, the significance is that what is it that I can give? What is it expecting from me? In other words, you have meaning only when there is something in life more important than your own personal freedom and happiness, something for which you are glad to sacrifice your happiness. And that's why we have to remember that we need to find meaning in our lives. And that can only be found in knowing and trusting in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He's the only one who can take our suffering and redemptively turn it around for something that's good. So I want to just give a quick idea of this redemptive, that word is a biblical concept which is clearly seen in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I want to def just define it just through the dictionary, different various dictionaries of the word redemptive. The Oxford Dictionary defines redemptive as acting to save someone from error or evil. The Collins English Dictionary defines it as something which leads to freedom from the consequences of sin and evil. And that's why when you think about what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, that he took the sins upon the world upon his shoulders and when he died on the cross, and that way he redeemed us and is a redemptive work of God. And so today, as we finish off chapter 4 in the book of 1 Peter, I want to talk about how God can redemptively save us and free us from the stronghold of our lives, especially when we're going through some of the difficulties that we're facing now. One thing that I want us to remember, some of us who are just joining us, we've been studying First Peter for over a month, and we've covered the first three chapters, and now we're going to finish off on chapter 4. And what you have to remember is that all throughout this book, the running theme that you, you see it in chapter after chapter, even though there were different things that were highlighted, the running theme that goes throughout this book is how hardships and trials, it, what it does is that it helps us to tr trust in God more and have faith in God. And as we begin to trust in Him more, then we can go through some of the difficulties and some of the persecution and suffering that we'll face in our lives. And this is why our relationship with Christ
is so important. And that everything that we do, we have to guard our intimacy with Christ if you're going to go through some of the difficulties of your life. So let me give us the one thing to ponder upon as I will try to expound on that one thing just throughout this passage. And it's simply this, that we can have perspective because God is redemptive. Because God is a God who is redeeming all things, we are able to gain the perspective. Uh, it might not be right away, but as you begin to see God, the God of the universe working in our lives, you will see that he's working out all things for our good and for his glory. So I'm going to ask you just right now, just turn to somebody next to you and tell them what the one thing is. Will you do that? Amen. Let's go ahead and study this passage together and see how we can have perspective knowing that God is redemptive. The first thing I want to mention is this, that there is a purposeful reason for our suffering. In order for you to gain this perspective and see God redemptively working in our lives, you have to believe and you have to understand that there is a purposeful reason for the suffering and the difficulties that you're going through. So all throughout this letter, the Apostle Peter is trying to give this perspective to the believers who are struggling with trying to make sense of their lives. Why is all these things happening? I thought following Christ, there was going to be great joy and the promise of eternal life. Why am I experiencing what I'm experiencing? And as they're going through these trials, these are the questions that are going through the followers of Christ. And after talking about God's grace and remembering the gospel in the first half of chapter 4, we talked about that last week. Here is Apostle Peter now returning to this theme of suffering. But this time he gives a different perspective on this topic. And it's a very important perspective that we need to understand. In this first section, Peter helps us to see that there is this purposeful reason for the things that we're going through. He mentions that there are two things we've got to remember. First of all is this, that we must anticipate it. It is something that you have to, in your mind and in your heart, have to be ready and anticipate that there will be suffering in our lives. Let me just go ahead and read verse 12 and verse 13. And it says this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 through 13. It says this, Beloved, do, do not be surprised at the fiery trial which it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But let me just first stop here and let me, let me talk about verse 12. Peter explains that when we go through suffering in our lives and that we have to see this trial that you're going through, whatever suffering, difficulties, and the reason why we're going through it is because it is to show the genuineness of our faith. If you remember back in chapter 1, he talks about this. Let me allude back to chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. And I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. It says this, and read the yellow part with me. It says, so be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. Even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. Can you turn down the mid-range a little bit and a little bit of the bass? Uh, so here is, here is Apostle Peter talking about suffering and he's alluding it back to what he mentioned in chapter one now this is the reason why we should not be surprised because what it's happening through our f f struggles or persecution everything you're going through right now it is to purify you and to purify your faith to see the genuineness of it this is one of the things that i realized about so many people who come to know christ now, I have nothing wrong with coming to Christ when there's a need. And I've seen people sometimes come to Christ for various other reasons. But if you remember even Jesus talking about the parable of the sower, there are so many people where 
the seed of the gospel is being planted, but very quickly through difficulties and trials, things get taken away. Or it springs up and then it withers away. Because it's not on good soil. And I've seen this time and time again with people coming to know Christ. And as soon as that problem is no longer there, as soon as they get over that breakup in that relationship, as soon as now they found a job, when the circumstance changed, what we begin to see is that why they came to Christ is revealed. Because God was just a Santa Claus. Or he was a vending machine. I need this, so I'm going to be a Christian, and he's going to provide this for me. But that's not how it works. Following Christ really means that you see this deep need that there is nothing you can do to save yourself. And that you are under the wrath of God and you will spend the rest of eternity in hell. And because of that, realizing many of us are trying to be good, but you cannot be good in yourself. And that's when you surrender and say, God, I want life. I want an abundance of life. And because of my sin, now your wrath is upon me and I will spend the rest of eternity separated from you. Therefore, in utter dependence on him, you acknowledge that Jesus Christ living the perfect life that you could not live. And that him dying on the cross for your sins, that should have been your cross, my cross. Because we should have been crucified because we sinned against the holy God. But Jesus took that upon us. And understanding this. In our own depravity, realizing that we do need Jesus Christ in our lives, then we give our lives over to Him. And that's what He's purifying in your life over and over again. That's why I think it's interesting when He uses the word surprised. That word is translated as amazed or something strange. So He says, don't be surprised, don't be amazed, don't be feeling like this is something really strange because what he's saying is you should expect this and anticipate this it is going to happen I think oftentimes when things come to us unexpectedly we tend to just kind of make the wrong conclusions and that's kind of the essence of what the message translation translated this verse listen to what it says friends when life gets really difficult, don't jump to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. That's what happens. We, we kind of have this idea of this is what Christian life is about. And then we go through some trial or difficulties or suffering. And then all of a sudden we just start jumping into conclusion. Oh, God doesn't really love me. Or like God, he's not really powerful. Or why is all this stuff happening? But if you expect it and you anticipate it, this is part of the Christian life, you will not be surprised. That's why you have to remember that Jesus even reminded us that this was going to come because as a follower of Jesus Christ, we should expect opposition and difficulties. John chapter 15, verse 18 through 21, listen to what it says. Read the yellow, highlight it with me. It says this, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obey my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name for they do not know the one who sent me jesus talks about this and even in other portions of scripture in the gospels he talks about what it means to follow him that's why i'm amazed when some of us try to decide in our minds that we're gonna try to live for god we're gonna take some bold steps and then your parents are against you like why are you surprised Because your parents or your friends, they care about you. But in their perspective, this is what care is. But when you look at scripture, it's a whole different idea. That obeying God, sometimes there are risks. Sometimes you have to give up and surrender some things. 
So that's why if they don't understand that you will receive persecution and things will get difficult. So why are you surprised? I think this is why we have to be more mentally prepared. And as we do get mentally prepared, we'll be able to rejoice through the fiery trials in our lives. It's because we're not spiritually and mentally prepared. We're not anticipating the suffering and the difficulties. I want you to look at verse 13. Let me just go ahead and read verse 13. Listen to what it says. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. We are reminded to rejoice and to be glad when we go through suffering. Because you know why? We are actually sharing in Christ's experience. And that's how his glory will be revealed in us. It's the realization that there is a purpose and a reason behind the suffering. That when we are experiencing what Jesus went through, that's when we're going to be able to appreciate it and love him more. Think about it for a moment. When you share in his suffering, you begin to identify and realize what he's going through, what he went through. Not fully, because we haven't been crucified. But when you think about the ridicule, when you think about just the pain and the loneliness and everything that he faced, when you begin to go through some of the things that Jesus went through, but on a smaller scale, then you begin to appreciate and you begin to love Christ that much more. And I'm going to offend some of you this morning. I'm going to be straight up with you because all I can say is that some of you who have been very spoiled, you, you can't even think of a suffering because everything has been provided for you. Things are very easy. I think for some of us, it is very difficult to make this love for Christ very tangible and experiential. That's why a lot of church people, people who've gone to church and they haven't done anything really bad, a lot of them struggle with really understanding this gospel message. As many of you know, they always talk about whenever there's a conglomerate. It's always the founder who goes through some of the most difficult things to get to that point where they build this company. And a lot of times, and just people who have been studying uh, just family businesses, what they have found out is usually within the second to third generation, that's when the fortunes are all gone. Do you know why? Because as soon as that father worked really hard to build up this big company, a multi-million, multi-billion dollar company, if they're not wise and they spoil their kids, then they're going to be entitled or think that they're entitled to things. They don't know things like hard work. They don't understand about some of the difficulties you're going to have to face. And that's why when they go and take over the business, a lot of times they make bad decisions if they don't have boards and other people around them and usually within the second to third that's when all the fortunes are gone and i i want to say this i'm not trying to draw a strong parallel but i will say this some of us who haven't gone through some of the difficulties of life that is really really easy to make christianity all about going to church going to life group serving and doing good things and that's why when you go through suffering and trials in your life what God is trying to do is he's trying to purify you and to make your faith genuine and real that's why even though it might be really hard for me to say this when some of you go through some struggles in your life I'm thinking it's good for you when I go through different things, I have to have that perspective. It's good for me. It's humbling me. It's refining me. What is it that you're going through right now in your life? I'm wondering if God is using that to refine you, to purify you. That one character issue in your life that's going to be your downfall. It's that one thought that constantly nags at you and it continues to help you to believe in lies from Satan. And God is saying, no more.
So not only do we learn to, when we go through suffering, we share in his experiences so that we can appreciate and love him more. But we have a wonderful opportunity to allow his glory to be displayed. That when we go through hard times and we trust in him, people will see what makes you do that and that they will see the greatness of God. This is why the writer of James expressed the same idea about having joy and rejoicing in the midst of various trials. James chapter 1 verse 2 through 4. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. It says this, Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you fall into various trials. Be assured that the testing of your faith through experience, see, it cannot be just cognitive. You have to go through it. It's through experience. It produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. And let endurance have its effect or perfect results and do a thorough work so that you may be perfect and completely developed in your faith, lacking nothing. Like there will be nothing you will lack if you allow God's refining process to work in your life. So I want you to think about this because I'm just trying to give you the bigger picture about there's a purposeful reason for some of the things that you're going through. So in order for you to really understand it, you got to anticipate it. you got to believe that you're not exempt. No one is. As a follower of Jesus Christ, it is guaranteed you will go through trials and sufferings in your life. So don't be surprised by them. Another thing that we see in verse 14 through 16 is that we have to affirm it. We have to not only anticipate it, believing that it's going to happen, but you affirm it as you go through it. Let me go ahead and read verse 14 and 15. Listen to what it says. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or a meddler. Now, what is Peter trying to say? In verse 14, Peter says that as Christ followers, if we get insulted or we face hardships or go through persecution for Christ, then he says very, we're blessed. We have to remember that anything that we suffer for the sake of Christ, it is a privilege. Rather than a punishment or some kind of negative consequence. So it's, it's a literally a complete mind shift. Where you say every time I'm suffering for the cause of Christ. Because I'm trying to do God's will. Because I'm trying to obey God. I'm trying to live for God. And every time you face opposition. What he's trying to say is you are blessed. Why? Because it is a privilege. Can everyone say privilege? It is difficult to believe it. Accept it. But that's what he's saying. That it is a privilege. That's why we're blessed. And I want you to also look at this idea of the spirit of glory and God rest upon you. That is literally translated as the spirit of God rests with refreshing power. When you go through suffering and difficulties and you, when you learn to not turn to yourself, turn to circumstances, but turn to God, the spirit of God will refresh you with his power. I mean, don't raise your hand, but I'm wondering how many of you have ever felt that? You're facing opposition, going through difficult things. And all of a sudden, as you're praying and being in the Spirit, you're abiding, you're trusting in Him, and then you feel this refreshing power that comes and you realize God is the one who's sustaining you. This is something we could affirm in our lives. That we are blessed when we go through these things. So we declare it. That the power of God will be upon us. We could declare that. We affirm that. But I think the interesting part is in verse 15, he also reminds the believers that if persecution or suffering comes because you break a law, like you murder somebody, you do something wrong, there's no glory in that. You kill someone like, oh, I'm suffering. No, no you're not. You're facing consequences of your sin. What he's inherently saying is when you go through suffering because you're doing the will of God. 
Not when you're being stupid and doing dumb things. When you're obeying God, loving God, to do the will of God, and then you face opposition and struggles. That's when he says, and we can affirm that we're blessed and that God's power will be upon us. Look at verse 16. It says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. That could be a one thing one of these days. Our suffering enables us to glorify his name. That's what he's saying. I want you to notice the word Christian there. Do you know that that word Christian only appears three times in all of the Bible? Just three times. Once here and two other times in Acts chapter 11 and Acts chapter 26. And you need to understand this because a lot of times we can say, oh, I'm a Christian. Or we use that word, oh, he's a Christian. Or your name is Christian, I don't know. And so uh, (laughs) I want you to try to understand why this word is significant. And it only appears three times in Scripture. The thing that you need to note is that the name Christian was originally used by those who were against the followers of Christ. So it wasn't a good name to call yourself a Christian. It was used by those people who wanted to insult those people who were following Christ. Anyone who was associated or belonged to Christ, they would just say, oh, you are a Christian. And it was in a very derogatory term. Those people who were hostile towards the church would use this word, Christian. But then God is saying, or Peter here, is that the believers then took that and took it as an honored name. Even though they were using it as an insult, Christian says, those Christ followers said, that name Christian, because we belong to Christ, is what we call ourselves now. This is the reason why, when you look at verse 16 again, I want you to notice that phrase, let him not be ashamed. Do you know why that's important? I was just kind of meditating and thinking about this. Why did Peter, out of all people, put that phrase? Do you guys remember when Peter denied Jesus three times and he was ashamed? And now, being on the other side of the resurrection, he's like saying, don't be ashamed. Also, Apostle Paul had the same understanding as he was humbled in his role in persecuting and killing Christians. So for Peter, it was denying Jesus three times. He was ashamed of Jesus. Apostle Paul, he was persecuting and killing Christians. And listen to what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12 in the Amplified Bible. Read the yellow portion. It says this. This is why I suffer, here's that word, as I do. Still, I am not ashamed, for I know him, and I am personally acquainted with him. It's not a religion. You have to be in an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, whom I have believed with absolute trust and confidence in him and in the truth of his deity, and I am persuaded beyond any doubt that he is able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until the day When I stand before him. You're only able to affirm. The truths of God's word. When you go through it. And when you have faith. Uh, Polycarp. I don't know if some of you know him. Uh, He was a bishop in the middle of the second century. And he was um, burned at the stake. And they were saying that you need to deny Christ. And here's this old man tied to the stake in, in the middle of all the gladiators. that they, they have the gladiator games in the Colosseum. And it's a famous quote some of you might have heard before. But listen to what he wrote or what he said and some people wrote it down. 
He said, 86 years have I served him, and he never did me any injury. How can I blaspheme my king and my savior? I don't know about you, but whatever you're going through in your life, when you really begin to understand who Jesus Christ is, no matter how difficult the situation, you will not want to turn away because you realize he has been faithful and he has been good. I think for many of us, we just go through life so quickly. We don't take the time to pause and to think about all that he has done and that even in the midst of the struggles that you're going through, that you're going to persevere. How about us this morning? I'm wondering, have you forgotten that following Christ means to go through suffering and persecution? Are you surprised? You shouldn't be, because that's what it means to follow Christ. Some of you in situations with your family, your parents, your siblings, maybe your boss, whoever it may be, those who are not believers, they don't fully understand. That's part of following Christ. I'm wondering if you're mentally and spiritually prepared so that you can anticipate these things that will come your way. I'm wondering if you also see the opportunity to give God the glory, especially as you go through the struggles of your life. Let me close with the second point. Not only is there a purposeful reason for our suffering, but there is a proper response to our suffering. A proper response. In verse 17 through 18, I want you to just follow along. Just listen to what it says. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Peter now is giving this Old Testament imagery of judgment starting with God's household and in the sanctuary. Oftentimes what we forget is when we look at the Old Testament, there were many times when the people of God, they had unconfessed sins and they were willingly having a rebellious heart. And so what did God do? He said, you're my people. You're supposed to represent me to the rest of the world, to the nations, to the Gentiles. And every single time they have failed to do that and they continue to live in sin, continue to be rebellious, what did God do? We see that the judgment came. And that's why Peter probably understood that suffering was a way for God to discipline his children. So it's part of the reason, but also the question now becomes, when he is disciplining us, when he's causing us to have our faith be refined, how do you respond? That's why as I think about history and all the times that the church of Jesus Christ went through persecution, it has always strengthened the church. Not weakened, but strengthened. You look at the situation in China when they went through some of the persecution. You look at some of the persecution that's happening right now in the uh, Middle East among some of these Christians who have to go underground. Thinking about some of these northern African countries where people are just being kidnapped and then they're being killed in schools, Christian schools and churches are being burnt down. When you think about all the different persecution that's happening right now, God is using that to strengthen the church. People are more resolved that this is the truth. Of course, there are people who get scared and run away, but the people who are genuinely followers of Jesus Christ, they are the ones who are now saying, I'm willing to lay down my life. The judgment, listen to me carefully, the judgment and discipline were not only for the believers in the household of God, but when you read that verse 18, it was supposed to be a warning to the ungodly. So what Peter does, he, he ends up quoting Proverbs chapter 11, verse 31. And what he's saying is this. 
if this is what's going to happen to those who are believers, then how much more of those people who do not trust in God? So what he's saying is that what you see now, you have to respond. There's a sense of urgency. So listen, I'm going to tie this in with even what we're talking about for Easter. I hope all of you understand we're not just having another gathering. But part of Easter is to celebrate the very crux of our faith that a Savior died at the cross and rose again from the dead. He didn't just die and we ended it there. If he just died and he didn't do, do the resurrection, we don't have our Christian faith. The part that we believe in is that not only did he die, which is a historical fact, but he resurrected from the dead. And not everyone believes that. But because of his resurrection, that's why we have what we have right now. This is the reason why we believe in what we believe. So we have this wonderful opportunity on Easter, which I've shared many times before. If there's any Sunday that people are willing to come check out, it's during Christmas and Easter. Hopefully by this time you are sharing your life. They know you're a Christian and not a Buddhist. Okay, hopefully. And as they know that you are a Christ follower, as you build relationship with people and you're loving on them, serving them, showing hospitality, finding ways to bless them, that somehow as you're building this relationship and now they see that you are different and then you take the step of faith to invite them. And if they reject you, then they're not rejecting you, but they're rejecting God. So you continue to pray for them and keep on loving on them. But the reason why so many people don't get to opportunity to experience God at times is because we don't take the faith and the step to try to bring them into or even reach out to them and show them community or just in an experience that will transform their lives. And this is the reason why if there's any believer and you realize that he starts with the judgment within the household of God and then we're believers so we're secure that even though there will be discipline for us, but we're growing, but our, our, our lives, are for, souls are for eternally secure. We are saved. But then you have to start thinking about how about those people who are not saved? And if we're going through this kind of discipline, can you understand the judgment that will come for those people who do not know Christ? They are some of your parents, your siblings, some of your good friends. And this is Peter's warning. We need a sense of urgency to begin to pray and to share the gospel. And then in closing, look at verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. I want you to notice that word therefore. He is now encouraging us. In light of everything that he mentioned, you got to respond. If you're anticipating the suffering and you know it's coming, so you're not going to be complaining. You, you're expecting it. This is what he's doing. The reason behind it, he's trying to purify me. He's trying to make me more like Christ. He's working on these areas of my life. Then you begin to affirm it. You say, yes, God, this is what you're doing. We trust in you. We believe in that. Therefore, then what? You got to respond. What is that proper response? Well, first of all, it says here in verse 19, commit ourselves to God. The word entrust, that word means, and it comes from a, a banking world. That word entrust means to deposit for safekeeping. It's like taking your money and putting it in the bank. That's why you hear a phrase like, take it to the bank. Like it's 100% sure it's going to work. Or it also means to guard. So what he's saying is this, commit yourself to God. Entrust yourself to God. Because why? He is 100%. He will never fail you. He'll always be with you. That's why it's always important to know who it is that you're entrusting yourself to. And in this case, it's God who's faithful and good. And that we're in good hands. 
I thought it was interesting that instead of saying God of the universe or God Almighty, he says God the creator. When you think about a creator, he can make something out of what? Nothing. Creators here on this earth, we need something to make something. But God being the creator, he can make something out of nothing. So it gives us more hope as we commit ourselves to God. And the second thing you will notice, he says, continue to do good. So not only committing ourselves to God, but continue to do good. It says, while doing good. So even as you're going through suffering and difficult times, don't stop doing good. Keep on coming out to life group. Keep on serving. Keep on loving on people. Keep on finding ways to share the gospel. Because a lot of times human nature says when you're struggling or going through difficult times, you don't want to do any of those stuff. You know why? Because you turn inward. You focus on yourself. You make it all about yourself, how hard life is. And that's when you lose perspective. And you don't see God trying to redemptively work in your life if you will continue to do you what you know you ought to do. Some of us, you give up too easily and you get discouraged too easily. Just because you don't see the fruits right away. That just should show you, you haven't gone through suffering. Every person I know that have gone through some difficult things in their lives, they have grit. So whenever I meet people who give up really easily, right away, you haven't gone through much. Can you develop it? Of course you can. But it has to be a complete perspective change that you need. So I hope in our church, we will not be people who give up so easily. Because things are hard. But learning how to persevere. Not in our own strength. But the strength that God provides for us, we will persevere. As we hold on to the hands of God as he's holding on to us. I think too often we are trying to understand God in the midst of our suffering. But we have to come to a point where we have to say that we don't know everything. And we just have to trust. And I think one of the best ways to trust is learning how to have a heart of worship. That says, God, you're God, and I'm not. To see the grandeur, the, the greatness of who God is. And to see the finiteness of who we are. That we don't even compare. That's why Evelyn Underhill said this. I thought it was a great quote. She said this. If God were small enough to be understood, he wouldn't be big enough to be worshipped. You will never understand everything. That's why you got to trust that he's doing something in you to prepare you for something in the future. Because he's always purposeful. And then what he waits for is our response. That's why the one thing, once again, and I, this is my prayer for all of us, is that we can have perspective because God is always and forever will be redemptive. He is going to use all things for his glory. Can I just uh, close out here with some practical things to think about? And throughout this week, hopefully you can follow through, not just be hearers of the word, but responding in obedience. As I was kind of looking at this message, I'm like, God, what is it that I can do personally? And I realized that one of the things that I want to encourage some of you to do is to redefine your purpose in life. Don't make it, oh, just live for God, glorify God. That's too general redefine your purpose right now this year what are you called to do because when you are clear in the things that you are supposed to do in your calling the purpose in your life then no matter what you go through no matter what you face you'll be able to persevere by the grace of God so redefine your purpose some of you have lost that purpose some of you haven't had one and as I shared before if you don't have a vision you don't have a mission in life Borrow one. Borrow our vision. Borrow our mission. Because it's not only biblical, but it's big enough than your little world. 
and be actively involved in that so that when you go through things in your life, you're like, I'm created for something more. The second thing is this, remember to abide daily. Because when you go through suffering, if you're not connected to God, you're going to lose perspective. You're going to forget the purposeful reason why you might be going through this. You're not going to be able to affirm those things that he's doing. You're not going to be able to respond in a way you should be responding. So daily abiding in Christ, especially when things get hard. The third and last thing is this, respond to God with hope. I hope and pray that everything that we do in terms of a response will always be rooted not on the each, uh, earthly things and temporary things, but on eternal things and our hope in God and God alone. I want to share this testimony by Mike uh, Gore. He actually works for Open Doors, which is a ministry that reaches out to some of the persecuted churches, persecuted areas around the world. And he shares some insights on this word, passion. And I want to just have him explain what the word passion is about. But I want to give a precursor to this. I realize that this word passion is something that so many of us really want to have or we think we have. And I don't think you really know what that is. And I'm not trying to be condescending in any way because I, I would say many of us, when we think about passion, we think about what do we like to do? Can I get a good amen, right? That's what we normally think about when we think about passion. What are you passionate about? Is that what are you like really, really wanting to do? That you could do it till four in the morning and you just don't even know what time it is. Like that's how we think about passion. But when you look at it in the biblical sense, that's not it. And so I'm hoping it will wake you up, some of us, who think that, we're, oh, we've got to find this passion. But you've got to find it through Scripture. And he shares a story of some people who went through some suffering that I think will help everything put into perspective. And then I pray that afterwards we'll respond in prayer, some worship. And I want to pray for us to be able to go through what we're going through right now because we don't know what you're going through personally. You might be sitting there and thinking to yourself, like, I hear this, but just right now, all I'm feeling is all the pain and the struggle. And for some of you, I think God has to intervene and just show himself to you. So just listen to his testimony and what he's sharing about this person named Peter that he met. And hopefully it will remind us of what we talked about today. That it is something that we have to anticipate. Something that we have to affirm. And then from there, we respond appropriately because there's always a purposeful reason. Let's stand together as we close. I think this is a good reminder why many of us are not very passionate because you're not willing to suffer for Jesus Christ. What breaks my heart is when I see so many of you passionate about electronic gadgets, passionate about the current culture. Like there's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves. But you are more passionate about the things of this world than you're about Jesus Christ. You're more passionate about your future, your relationship. And this is the reason why some of us in this room will have to go through some extreme suffering and persecution and refining process where your heart will might possibly get broken. The Bible reminds us that you are not an illegitimate child. You were born, born again. You are God's son or daughter. And a good parent will discipline their child. 
And right now, some of you, I feel like he is disciplining you. And you are resisting because we are so self-centered and it's all about us. But he's patient. So he goes, okay, we'll wait. And he's going to wait for the next crisis. I hope you'll understand that after this coronavirus, something else is going to happen. Trust me. Your struggle with your parents right now, you think it's over, there's going to be something else. You struggling with idols in your life, those of you who are students with studies, wait until you finish and graduate. You know what? You're going to, you're going to transfer your idols with grades to work. It is never ending. Wait until you get married and then have kids. And until our passion for Jesus Christ is the highest thing that we pursue after, that we are willing to go through anything, even death, we're not living the fullness of life that God has for us. I'm praying that no matter where you are, some of us might just be starting off and things are hard. But I pray that you will take one step further this coming year. Those of us who've been a Christian for a long time, like don't you get sick and tired of just going through the motion? You've been there, you've done that. How many times do you have to watch that movie for you to really finally realize maybe there's other movies and TV shows that I could be watching? There's so much more that God has, but you're just doing the same thing over and over again. It's because you're not willing to count the cost and suffer for Jesus, being passionate about Jesus. I pray that for all of us, that Jesus Christ will be the very centerpiece of everything that we do. More than our future, more than our grades, more than our job, more than our safety, more than our comfort. Whatever it is, it will always be Jesus Christ. No matter what I go through, Lord, as long as I have you, that's more than enough. And those of you who don't really know what I'm trying to say, I'm praying that you will take that first step so you can understand it which is surrender your life stop trying to control your own life trying to save yourself because you can't that's why you need Jesus Christ some of you have been going to church coming out to life group but you've never taken that step of faith to say Lord Jesus I need you and I want to become a Christ follower I want to be a Christian I want to challenge us to be able to do that today to the rest of us who are believers, let us not just be another Christian, an average Christian. I pray that we will be radical followers of Jesus Christ, that we will love Him more than anything else. We need those kinds of people in times like this who don't think about their own lives. I know that sounds almost ridiculous, but willing to lay down your life for others. That is inherently the gospel that when you've experienced life and you know that your life is secure eternally, you will lay it down for others. That's where you're going to experience the fullness of life. And I pray that you'll do that. So Lord, I just pray for every single one of us here, no matter where we are in our spiritual journey. Some of us are still pre-Christians and we're seeking. Others of us, Lord, that we have just recently decided to follow you. Or for some of us, Lord God, we've been a Christian for a long time. And we need, Lord God, just a renewal. We need a, a revival in our hearts. Help us, Lord, to have this kind of perspective. Because you are the God of redemption. You are the God who's redemptively working. 
And that's why you use trials and sufferings and hardships and difficulties to refine us, to mold us, to make us more like you. Lord, help our church to feel the sense of urgency. God, help us to be passionate about you, that we will be willing to suffer no matter what so that we can have you, we can experience you, to know you more, just like what the Apostle Paul said, to know you in your sufferings and to consider everything a loss compared to knowing the surpassing greatness of our Lord Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord God, by your grace. Can I just give you a minute here just to respond to God? And whatever it is you're going through, I want you to lay it down at the foot of the cross and just say, God, I'm struggling. This is what I'm going through and I want to lay it down before you. And I want to live by faith. I want to live by trusting in you, believing everything you say in your word. If it's true, help me to believe. Help me to overcome my unbelief. And let's not leave here this morning the same way we walked in. Let's leave here more confident, more determined, more resolved that we're willing to go through whatever we're going through because we know that it's going to bring God glory. May we glorify God. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.